I want to read my scripture and talk to you just a little bit, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the Christmas carols. The scripture that we're going to read this morning is a very favorite Christmas passage. In fact, you'll find it on the back of your bulletin. I didn't happen to pick out that scripture for the back of the bulletin. It was picked by the designer. But it's a powerful scripture, one of the classic uh, things that we bring up at Christmas time, and it's Isaiah 9, verse 6. I'll be reading from the New International Version. It should be on your screen if you don't have it pulled up in your Bible or your phone. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, I was a tomboy when I was a kid. I tried really, really hard to like dolls and Barbies, and I would ask for them for Christmas, but... I just would play with them for a little while and then would throw it down and run outside and play kickball with the rest of my neighborhood friends. But still, like most American girls, we're acculturated to dream of being a princess. We want to grow up or we want to be discovered where we are and to be a princess. And, 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 you know, I would read the stories of Pocahontas, the brave Indian princess who saved John Rolfe. And I would think, oh, if I could just run through the forest like that with my long black hair streaming behind me. Oh, I'd be a beautiful Indian princess. Or maybe I could be the beautiful blonde Rapunzel with the hair that flowed out of the tower. And it was amazing to behold and people would come and find me just because they saw my beautiful long blonde braid coming out of the tower. Or I love fairy tales when I was a kid. And I love the story of the princess and the pea who would come, who came in late at night to the castle and she knocked on the door and she claimed that she was a princess but they didn't believe her because she looked so bedraggled. And so they said, they went ahead and welcomed her in because the storm was so bad, but just to test if she was a real princess. They, I don't know, my picture book had about 20 mattresses all stacked. And they said, we'll find out if she's a real princess. And they took a little hard shell pea, uh, English pea, and they put it down underneath the very bottom mattress. And they said, if she's a real princess, she'll be bruised in the morning because real princesses are sensitive people. And so she woke up in the morning. She said, oh, what a terrible night's sleep. I couldn't hardly sleep last night. Something was hard in my bed because she was a real princess. And she had experienced the hard shell pee making bruises on her body. Oh, if I only had 20 mattresses, I could prove to everyone that I was a true princess or Ariel. Oh, I didn't grow up watching TV and movies. And so one of my very first movies that I watched was Ariel. I was 21 years old. But oh, to be Ariel, the beautiful princess with the lovely voice and the handsome young man that loved her forever, or to be Snow White, lost in the woods. You know, I just knew that I was Cinderella waiting to be discovered. As much of a tomboy as I was, I wanted and I knew that I could be a princess. And like so many girls, having the fantasy and going down to Disneyland and having dinner or lunch or breakfast with the princess, it's all an imagination that we often get caught up in as young American girls. And you know, every princess must have a prince. 
And most of the stories, the prince is the one who saves the princess from her dire dilemma. The prince will rescue you from the tower. He will kiss you tenderly when you have been poisoned by the evil witch. And he will wake you from your coma. And you will wake up and you will live happily ever after. And you will rule the kingdom. Or your prince may come and he may have your special shoe. And he will put it on your foot. And you will be discovered that yes, you are Cinderella. And the whole nation will rejoice. And all of the ugly stepsisters who ever made fun of you will be shown for what they are as ugly and mean people. Because everyone will rejoice and they will celebrate about you because you are the true Cinderella princess. Now, in order to be a princess and to be a good princess story, you have to have a prince. And my ideas of what the prince is like have changed just a little bit. Right now, my idea of a prince is a tall, gray-haired man. (laughs) Who loves to eat my cooking. Who thinks I'm the bomb. Who has a beautiful singing and speaking voice. That's my idea of a prince now. However... (laughs) when I was a young girl dreaming of being Cinderella my idea of a prince was a little different he was still tall he was very buff not the kind of muscle mania kind of guy but he was pretty buff of course he could ride a horse beautifully and being a child of the late 70s and early 80s he had to have black feathered hair If you don't know what black feather hair is, Google image it. You'll see pictures of the 70s and 80s with the feathered hairstyle. Oh, yes, it was beautiful. And my prince had all those beautiful qualities. And he would come and he would find and he would save me from all my troubles and take me to live with him in his castle and we would be happy ever after. And so when I read my Bible and I read that there is a prince of peace and that the coming Messiah was to be that prince of peace, maybe my ideas about what a prince of peace might be would be a little bit skewed. My prince of peace should be tall and handsome, always smiling, and best of all, he would have this really, really cool scepter. And this scepter would have like little bolts of lightning that would come from it. And whenever bad things would happen in the world, my Prince of Peace would take it and shazam, he would wave the scepter and everything would be wonderful and everything would be great in the world because that's what a Prince of Peace does, don't they? Because they must be, a Prince of Peace must be like the Disney princes that we've heard about for all of these years growing up. The carol that I began to reminisce over as my husband asked me to be part of this sermon series about a month ago was Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We sang a bit of it earlier on. The first verse goes something like this. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim... Christ is born in Bethlehem. Heart the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. 
It sounds majestic. It sounds glorious. And my Prince of Peace is doing his thing. He's bringing peace on earth and mercy mild. And, and, and everything should be all right with the world because the Prince of Peace is here. And he's arrived. And he was born in a stable. And he was born 2,000 years ago. And he's ruling and reigning. And everything should be right with the world. But it's not. All is not right with the world. I've been watching the news, been reading on the internet, and over and over, I keep asking myself, what's wrong with this world? I remember when a coworker came into my office just a week and a half or two ago and said, there's a shooting going on in San Bernardino right now. And it looks like people were killed at a Christmas party. And I looked at my coworker and I said, What's wrong with us? What have we come to? At that point, there was not even any details about the shooter or the reason for the shooting. It just seemed so random and so senseless and so violent. And I know that violence and mayhem are not new. But modern technology gives us so much access to what's going on in every little corner of the world. Something can be happening in a small village that's so remote that it's difficult to find on anywhere but a Google map. And yet we know about it in real time because people are tweeting from the event. And they're telling us what's happening to them. And it's very real. And so even though the violence is new, our knowledge of it and the depth of it, and it just seems like we're overwhelmed. And, and sometimes I, I have to, my husband and my son love to watch the news and they're very up on current events. And sometimes I just have to either go to the next room or just say, let's don't watch this for a little while. It's just too much. And you know, the, 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 the celebrations that people have when they're the victor in one of these violent events, they're not just confined to a small banquet room somewhere where people are fist bumping each other and saying, hey, good job. No, now it's broadcast, and if you care to see it, you can watch it all on YouTube. I saw a story on television the other day where it was actually being recorded and people were shouting and, and, and it, was, it, was an, it was an ISIS celebration. People were shouting and they were cheering and they had their captors in cages and they were driving them through the streets of the town while everybody in the streets of the town was cheering and saying how wonderful it was that they were the victors while, the, while their people that they had captured were being dehumanized right there in front of everybody. And it was on the news and it's on YouTube. And there are things even too gory to even talk about that you can find as our world tears itself apart in violence. And I find my heart heavy with all of that. And it's not just the state of the world. That's easy to talk about because we all relate to it. But that doesn't even include the challenges that maybe weigh my spirit from day to day. Things that I find hard and difficult to deal with. Things that don't feel peaceful in my own personal world because we're not in heaven yet and the world is not perfect and there are challenges everywhere we go as individuals. And sometimes I find myself wanting to cry out, where are you, Prince of Peace? We're in trouble here. Haven't you noticed? The evil queen has poisoned us, and we are laying unconscious, and we're waiting for our prince to come. Where are you, Prince? I picked one of the carols that talks about peace on earth, but there are so many that come up on my Pandora Christmas channel. And as they come up and if they roll over my screen, 
I have two screens at work. One of them, I can listen to my Pandora channel, and the other one may have the internet rolling. And I'm seeing all the violence coming on while peace on earth is playing on my other screen. You know, one of the great American poets, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, wrote a Christmas poem that seems to resonate with our world today. His beloved wife was taking care of the children in one room. Some candle wax dripped and somehow her dress caught on fire and she tried to put it out herself but couldn't. She ran into the next room to to Henry Wadsworth Longfellow and he tried to wrap a, a carpet around her but it was too small to smother the flames and she ended up dying the next day as a result of the burns from the fire. And he actually was so burned in the process himself that his face was burned and he grew his long beard to cover up all the facial burns that he had. He was very sad and distraught about that. At the same time, our country was again in the throes of a difficult time and the Civil War began and so many terrible things were happening and his beloved oldest son decided that he had to leave and join the Civil War and he became severely injured. It was a very low time in Wadsworth's life and he wrote this poem that has since become a carol that you'll hear on different stations. It was recently recorded by Mercy Me. And he wrote this in the middle of that difficult time. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar, familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then, from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's how Wadsworth Longfellow felt as he faced the chaos of his world. And sometimes when I hear the heart the herald angels sing and the glory to the newborn king, it's all wonderful and it's all majestic and it's all filled with glowing pictures and it looks like something that should be on a Hallmark card, but yet sometimes the peace on earth that Wadsworth described as diminishing seems to fit more with our world today. You know, people in Jesus' day were disappointed in him. There had been many prophecies about a coming Messiah. He was strong. He was coming on a white horse. He would bring justice to the earth. And that is the Messiah that the people were waiting for. This was really good news for the Jewish people because they were oppressed people. They had been handed from one kingdom to another and oppressed and tortured and decimated by war and by by oppression. They were ripe and they were ready for a Messiah to come who would tell everyone who was the boss, who would tell everybody that they were the chosen people. There were other passages about a coming Messiah, that one being a plain and 
not to much, much to look at guy. Guy who was bruised and wounded. Very humble circumstances. But those were largely ignored. Because the people in Jesus' day were looking for the big, powerful prince on the white horse. They were looking for the cool prince of peace with the lightning in his, in his scepter, giving a political answers to all their woes. With one fell swoop, everything would be better. Now granted, when Jesus came to earth and he was born here, there were angels, sing, angels in the heavens. There were wise men that came. A few stinky shepherds showed up. But it was more of the humble Messiah that came. The meek and lowly kind, the the one that didn't have a place to lay his head. He was not the made-for-TV, Disney movie kind of prince of peace. People in Jesus' day didn't realize that the Messiah was going to come a second time and that during that second coming, Jesus would rule and reign And that's the time we Christians long for. We long for that time, that second coming, that Messiah, when Jesus will come back and everything will be right and there will be no more tears in our eyes and we'll be in heaven with him forever and everything will be absolutely perfect. They didn't realize that in that day. They just knew that they were waiting for that cool Prince of Peace, Scepter Messiah to come and to make everything better right then. But in spite of the cultural expectations... In spite of people being disappointed in him, Jesus was very, very clear about his mission. Just as our world is very dark today, Jesus was also born into a dark world. And he didn't give in to temptation to use his power to make everybody smile and sing again. But Jesus said this about himself. His mission was very different, and he was very clear about that. Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Jesus was the light that came into his dark, to our dark world, and brought light. You know, even Satan tried to tempt Jesus to be the really cool Prince of Peace kind of Messiah. He said, if you're really the Messiah, why don't you just throw yourself down uh, and the angels will come and pick you up. Now, wouldn't that have been a scene? Wouldn't you have loved being there if Jesus had actually followed through on that temptation and he jumped off of the high pinnacle and the angels had swooped down and you were down below with your iPhone taking pictures and posting it on YouTube because this would be a really, really, really cool Jesus. Instead, Jesus went by that temptation and, and, and told his followers, I've come to seek and save the lost. Because you see, he knows something that we don't always realize in our finite mind. He knows that when we're at peace with him, no matter what the world brings, ultimately we're going to be okay. Because peace with God brings a peace that the scripture talks about passes all understanding. Peace with God allows you to say like the Apostle Paul who was writing a letter to some of his church members from prison. And Paul writes to the church members and he said, I've learned in whatever state I am, I can be hungry, I can be full. I can be free, I can be imprisoned. I can be in every circumstance, I can be content. Because a peace with Jesus brings a deeper level of contentment than our outside circumstances. Because just as soon as we would get our outside circumstances fixed, you know we as people, 
We're liable to make another circumstance that Jesus would have to come and wave his magic scepter at. But somehow, somehow, peace with God makes it okay regardless of our circumstance. And so when I hear the song Hark the Herald Angels Sing, I think maybe I might not be the only one that tends to overlook this one little phrase that's tucked in the middle of all that majesty. And just like people in Jesus' day, and just like you, just like me, you may be looking for that magical Prince of Peace. But right in the middle it says, God and sinners reconciled. That's the heart of that whole Christmas carol there. God and sinners reconciled. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That's a way of saying God has brought us to himself. We're no longer at odds with him. But, but we have come to him and we're not fighting anymore. We're not distanced from each other, but we are reconciled to each other. You know, the other verses of that song, which nobody remembers, I think we sang one over this morning, but nobody tends to remember. This is about seven or eight verses in the total original version. And it's, uh, a lot of the writers who write about that particular carol say that, that it's one of the most beautiful explanations of the gospel in any of the carols. You can actually find all that you need to know about the gospel within that Christmas carol if you read the ancient one. But, but, but maybe you're like me, and maybe if you're in the situation where, where Phil was talking about the first sermon where if you were put in a prison cell and you didn't have your scriptures or anything and all you could do is remember your Christmas carols, I think even if you were like me and you could only remember this one verse it might still be enough to sustain you because you remember that the peace on earth and that Jesus coming to the earth was all about us being reconciled. It would be about us being at peace with him. And somehow that brings sustenance to my heart that God, no matter what's going on in the world, if I can be at peace, if I can be reconciled to you, then that can be enough to pull me through. One of the things that Jesus said, which I love, and it's a great scripture, and it helps me redirect my little misunderstanding of what the Prince of Peace may be. Jesus said this, and it's so comforting to me. In John fourteen twenty seven, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. The world wants to give you a temporary peace. And Jesus says, I want to give you a peace that doesn't make you afraid, that sustains you through everything that you may go through. Don't let your heart be troubled. And I know that statistically speaking, there has to be at least one or two or even maybe more people here who may have troubled hearts today. Even if you are a follower of Jesus, even if you've been reconciled to him and you've given your heart to him, it's easy to get our eyes off of Jesus and for our hearts not to be reconciled to him because we're not at peace. And Jesus says, I've come today to bring you peace. Regardless of your circumstances, regardless of the uncertainty around you, whether it be in the broad world or whether it be within the confines of your home, that you have lack of peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Back in the, I believe the year was 1999, my husband and I were um, asked to go to Russia to minister. It was an 
interesting story because I can't go into all the details because it would take too long, but God provided amazing things. We were asked to go with only three weeks' notice. I didn't even have a valid passport. We didn't have the money to go, but somehow in the matter of three weeks, we got the money together. The money was raised. I got my passport. We got our plane tickets, and we were on the way to Russia. They had a prayer service before us before we left. It was already after the days when, quote-unquote, freedom had come to the country. And just before we left, our church elders and church members gathered around us and they prayed for us. And one of our elders felt like he had a word from the Lord to speak over us, so he spoke it out in the congregation and just told us that the Lord would say to us that he would go before us and that he would bring peace. He said, even in the mines underneath the earth, I will bring peace. Odd odd kind of statement. You know, we had tried to research the area that we were going to. It was an area called Tartarstan. It was actually 3,000 miles beyond Moscow. So Moscow is, is, is um, thousands of miles from our country. They can go thousands of miles more. Russia is so large it actually covers nine time zones. It's a huge country. We were deep into the part. And, and the internet was new enough that the Google Maps couldn't even find Tartarstan. We could find very, very little um, information But what information we did find, interestingly enough, later on after that word had been given, is there really were mines underneath the ground in that area. And God said he would go ahead of us in peace. It was a great time of ministry, and lots of great things happened, and it was powerful, and it was life-changing for us, and we hoped that we ministered to the people that we were speaking at at a conference. But there was also challenges. The pastor very seldom got to come to the conference that we were speaking at because he was busy dealing with the police. They were suspicious of us being there. It was the time we got there actually the weekend of Putin's election. And so everybody was on high alert. And, and the police um, would follow us wherever we went. They had police representatives in the church services sometimes. Um, and we were actually staying with the pastor and, and, and his brother who had adjoining apartments um, in a building. It takes a long time to get an apartment there. It can take up to two years to get an apartment. Housing is very short. They didn't like us being with them because they couldn't keep their eyes on us. So they, they made us move away from the apartment into a hotel. The pastor and his brother-in-law almost lost their homes over this, which was a big deal in a country where you can't get new homes very easily. Whenever we would go into the motel, we would have to turn. Uh, we, in order to get the key to our room, we would have to turn in our papers, our passports. They would give us a key to our room, and whenever we would leave for the day, we would have to turn in the, the key to our room and take our passports with us, and that was the only way. One of the people who was with us came home early one night from the church service because he was feeling sick and found police rifling through our rooms. It was a challenging time. The pastor came to us distraught one day, and he said, he said, the police have asked you to come for questioning to the police station. We don't know what to expect. The fines could be hundreds or even thousands of dollars. You should be prepared to be strip searched. We didn't know what we had done wrong, but of course we're in another country. We have to comply. Our poor little 19-year-old translator, he was so nervous. He could hardly stand it. He'd lived through a lot of difficult times, and he knew what could happen more than we did. But, but before we left, we'd had this word that says, go in peace, I'm going to be with you. All these crazy things were happening. God wasn't taking all the craziness away, but he was with us. Interestingly enough, just before we left, my husband had received a little card, a little business card from a man in our church. He was a very senior elderly man who had been from Russia originally, became a prisoner of war in World War II, lived through that, and came to the United States and had become a member of our church. And he said, here's this card, and this is a friend of mine. He's very high up in the Moscow police. And if you ever need any trouble, go ahead and use that card. 
didn't think any more about it. I'd forgotten about it completely. But when we got to the, the police station, not knowing what had happened, my husband handed over the card. I don't know what made a difference. I don't know if that card made a difference. I don't know what did. But I know the police were busy in the back scrambling for a while. We were standing in the hallways, big institutional hallways. No one talks out loud very much there. At least they didn't at the time because people had learned over the years that things that you say out loud can be used against you. So it was a very quiet place. And no one was speaking. And with nervous energy, we found ourselves giggling and laughing in the hallways. But with a sense of peace that it was going to be all right, we didn't know what was coming. I'd freshened up my underclothes in case I was strip searched. (laughs) (laughs) But we knew that God was going to keep us in peace, regardless of what the circumstances would be. We end up being called to the room, ask a few preliminary questions like, where are you from? What are you here for? They made us pay a $6 fine and ask us to leave, and we were finished. The Prince of Peace was with us that day. He didn't change our circumstances altogether. We still had to go through the anxiety of the not knowing, but he was with us. And more than just getting us out of the fines or more than just getting us out of the search, he stayed with us in our hearts. And he kept us, and he sustained us. And we knew that because we had him with us and because we had a word from the Lord that the Prince of Peace would ultimately rule the day. There is a time when the Prince of Peace will come, that second coming, and ultimately rule the day. But even if your day is not so wonderful, even if your circumstances are a little messed up right now, God is with you. And he's here to invite you to be Prince of Peace. I'd like to reread Harry, uh, the Longfellow's passage today, but I left out the final stanza, and I'd like to reread it with the stanza in place. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the world, words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered from the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the houses born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men.